Hey, man, good to see everybody here today. Man, last night I got the, our butter. You, like, how many leave their butter uh, like on the counter or in a cupboard? You don't put it in the fridge because you hate trying to spread hard butter. Can I, how many soft butter spreaders are in the room? Like you just let the thing as room temp so it's always ready. How many put it in the fridge every time and make life difficult for yourself? You tear your pancake, you can't get it to spread. It, it's awful. So our butter tray was up on the shelf. I went to move it, and it was I got about this far. It's this thick glass, and it slipped right out of my hand, went down, exploded like a grenade on the counter. <laughs> Big pieces of broken glass are everywhere. Mrs. H was flying back from seeing the grandkids. So I had to hustle, get the room all clean, get the butter cleaned up, get all the glass picked up. And, I mean, the glass was jagged. All that to say, uh, late last night, I go out to get a drink of water, and I stepped on a piece of glass. And it is in my foot as I speak. I couldn't get it out last night. Tom wasn't in the gym uh, to get the glass out of my foot. So I brought it to the pulpit today. So if you see me walking like a little, little kid, it's because I got a big old piece of glass stuck in my foot. So isn't that cool? I thought you'd like to hear about my life for just a moment. Um, anyway, thanks for being here. Um, you guys, anybody had a chance to eat in the new cafeteria? Hey, woo, yes. <laughs> I just sense that overwhelming excitement behind that mask. Um, no, seriously, best cafeteria ever. I just heard somebody scream from behind the mask. They pulled it out. Now, if you get a chance, uh, I'm very excited. The rest of it will be finished here pretty soon. We'll get all the walkways and the entryways and all those pieces put together. But you guys were great. God helped us. It didn't turn uh, to 50 degrees till Monday, the day we could go in there. So the Lord had that time just perfect for us. So anyway, thank you for your patience and uh, just your, your endurance through this. And uh, we're making it. And uh, hopefully you are staying focused on your school and uh, just utilizing some of the restrictions to be a great student. How many are doing better at their homework in COVID? Okay, no one. That's beautiful. That's, a, that's incredibly encouraging uh, to hear this. So everything is just less. No, it's not. Hey, take your Bibles. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. We'll worship here in just a few moments, uh, but I want to turn our hearts to a great story. I have probably referenced this in my first couple years as president. I've used this text, and, but I want to share it in a little bit different way. What caught my attention the other day was this person uh, that was a celebrity in Hollywood. They were bragging about being an influencer. And we know that term is used a lot now. Uh, I'm an influencer. Um, not a leader, but an influencer. And I feel kind of bad because I actually wrote a book called The Language of Influence. And now I'm wondering if I use the right word or not. Because people are boasting about their influence. But the person that was boasting about their influence um, was a very questionable individual um, as far as what they lead their life with out there and what they're trying to emulate and really to attract uh, young people too. It would not be something that I would say is a good model to follow, but they're an influencer because they got X amount of people. By the way, did you see North Central was on TikTok? How many saw the video? We've had, I don't know how many views, million views, or about 190,000 likes. If you haven't had a chance, I was going to show it in chapel today, but Chris, is there any way to pull? That's probably too late to pull. We'll do that on another day. It's one of our students um, showing their severe 
fabulous basketball skills uh, on the court. So I should probably organize to have him in here when we show the video and we can all give him a standing ovation for making North Central famous. ESPN is the one that posted this on TikTok. So anyway, don't be looking for it now. I just ruined my message by telling you that like, what's going on? Second Kings chapter five, it says, now Naaman, captain of the army of the king of Aram, and most people believe this was King Ben-Hadad of Aram, was a great man with his master. So Naaman was a renowned leader, a military leader. And when you read the story for the first time, it catches you off guard when they describe the traits of this man's life. You kind of don't see this coming. It says he was a great man with his master, highly respected because of him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man was also a valiant warrior, but he was a leper. It's odd that a leper would have this kind of success in the marketplace. And he had this secondary um, and primary condition of leprosy. And he was a valiant man, still functioning, but he was well known among the people. It says the Arameans had gone out in, the, in a band or like a band of raiders um, and they attacked in these small little military groups and they had taken captive a little girl. Now keep your eye on the little girl. There's three people that are gonna be in this story that, that are not given any names. Because I wanna talk about what the role of an influencer really looks like biblically. What does an influencer, where do they come from? Who does God pick to influence? What are they influencing people actually to do? So it says here, they took captive a little girl. We don't know her name. She's just described as this little girl from the land of Israel. And she waited on Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress or to uh, Naaman's wife, this girl that was kidnapped, taken captive. I wish that my master, speaking of Naaman, were with the prophet who is in Samaria. Then he would cure him of his leprosy. I love how kids just cut to the chase. This little kid has this unadulterated worldview that even though she's been kidnapped, she's still caring. And she sees somebody that is hurting and in need, and she cuts to the chase and simply says, I know of someone in Samaria, uh, she's talking about Elisha, that if he would go visit this prophet, he could heal. Just simple, untainted faith of somebody that was caught in a war of the worlds among the adults. So you can be young in an adult war, keep a heart that is simple in his faith. You're watching people my age run this planet into the ground in many aspects. And you would say, I have no choice but to become like them. No, you don't. You can be this young life caught in an adult war, not of your choosing. It's like Mephibosheth, my favorite character in the Bible. He gets dropped when he's five years old in his grandfather's war. King Saul, his life is under judgment. King Saul's son, Jonathan, dies in that war. The grandfather dies in the war and the five-year-old kid gets picked up by a nurse and he gets dropped when he's five. It's a fabulous story of redemption and reality that there are thousands of kids who got dropped in a war not of their making. 
And so now in Mephibosheth's case, which I'm not preaching on him, but he grows up as, as to a young adult and he just carries that trauma. It's not redeemed, it's not been healed and he calls himself a dead dog as a young adult. What I'm saying is that things can happen. Here's a picture though of a young girl who's still young, caught in the narrative or the storyline, the historical of events. And let me, let me backtrack. She's caught in the story of someone else, but she's protecting her narrative. Because you are in total control of your narrative. You're not in control of the story that was given to you by others, but you're in control of how you are interpreting that story. That's your narrative. It's your testimony. How you choose to explain your life. Even though many things that happen to us when we're young, we're out of our control, they're painful, we're still in control of our narrative. Devil can't take your narrative. You know, even though people, stuff happens like this girl, captive as a kid, she still has a simple faith. If somebody's hurting, let's get them help. And I know where to go for help, Elisha. So she says, then he could cure him. Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus spoke the girl who was from the land of Israel. Then the king of Aram said, Go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel, which shows the urgency of most likely King Ben-Hadad or this king of Aram. That the urgency was that Naaman was an effective leader in that kingdom or in his army. <coughs> this king wanted him well. So when this random long shot of an answer is presented, the king of Aram jumps on it and says, go send, uh, go, go to the king. I'll write a letter of recommendation. Let's see if we can get you healed. Go now, I'll send a letter to the king of Israel. He departed and took with him 10 talents of silver just to kind of sweeten the deal, 6,000 shekels of gold and 10 changes of clothing. This unbelievable bounty that is not even being required, but they just want to prepare the heart of the king to receive Naaman so he can get his healing. He brought the letter to the king of Israel saying, and now as this letter comes to you, behold, I have sent Naaman my servant to you that you may cure him of his leprosy. So the king, notice here, the king of Aram thinks the king of Israel has the power to heal. Because what we tend to do, the deception of power, friends, is that we relate to only then others that we perceive have mutual power. We influencers, self-described influencers in this society only hang around with other self-described influencers. They don't have time a day for people that are on the peripheral, let alone. Now, I think it was the dire condition of Naaman, not the persuasiveness necessarily of the little girl that made Naaman reach for her counsel because this guy had leprosy. He's going he's gonna to grab hold of anything. Hey, you can go to, uh, down to this country, get this experimental medication. Where's the next plane? I'm taking it. My condition is so dire. So Naaman grabs onto the hope. The king grabs onto the hope. They send this bounty to the king of Israel because power talks to power. That's how this world works. That's how they seemingly think it operates best. But watch what happens. The Bible says that when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, am I God 
to kill and to make alive. I had a situation like this one time. I got asked to do a funeral on a moment's notice. Now, when I was a youth pastor, I was barely making any money. And I would jump on any funeral that was offered. I'm sorry. You would get paid 125 bucks and to go do a funeral from a family that was a non-churchgoer, the funeral home would call and said, we need a minister. You're just jumping on these. And I, I'll be more than happy to help out. I've been, I can go and legitimately and sincerely lead this funeral. So actually one time a guy from my church said his neighbor died. His neighbor was a man that was, um, he was Hindu and he was a farmer, very well-known farmer. And, but nobody could come from India to do the funeral. So the family asked what happened was the guy actually read a Gideon's Bible in the hospital uh, and died the next day. But after he read the Gideon Bible, he told his family in his final breath that he had prayed the prayer at the back of the Gideon's Bible. And now he was a Christian in the final moment of his life. And so the family, they didn't want to anger their God. So they had to honor the man's request to have a Christian funeral as well as a Hindu funeral. So they only knew one Christian, which was this other guy that lived two farms away who went to my church. They said, do you know of a Christian that could come? My father read a prayer and they want to honor his thing to do. So it's such a crazy story. Like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. I get to the funeral. It's packed friends. There's 500, um, uh, followers of the Sikh religion. 500 Sikhs are there. The only Christian in the room is me and this guy named Al from my church and the guy in the box, okay? We're it, 500 Sikhs. Al was a great man of faith. And we're about to start the funeral. And he says to me, we're walking into the funeral. And he says, hey, don't you think it would be powerful if you raised him from the dead? In front of these people, if we pray for, and he like rose from the dead, I'm like, what? No pressure, what? The guy's already embalmed. <laughs> this would be a, a crazy miracle of recreation. And I said, Al, I'm gonna pray as I walk up there for God to raise him from the dead. And I got up there in front of 500 Sikhs and I'm praying and I don't want to let this man in my church down either. I want him to know that I'm a person of faith. And so I prayed some prayer, Lord Jesus. I just kind of tucked and hid it inside my prayer. You're, you're the God of resurrection. You, you bring people back from the dead. And Lord, we just pray your will for, you know, Chuck or whatever the guy's name was. That wasn't his name, but Chuck here to my left. I said, God, you're able. And I glanced over just to see if there's a twitch. Didn't pick up on anything. And I said, well, it must not be your will, Lord. Um, so I, I went on, I, I did the funeral. What I'm saying is I felt like the king of Israel. Like, no pressure. You want me to heal him of leprosy? Tore his clothes, am I God, that this man is sending word to me to cure a man of his leprosy. But consider now and see how, how he is seeking a quarrel against me. He thinks it's a plot. It's a setup, a conspiracy. It just so happened that Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes and he chided him for this. And he says, why are you tearing your clothes? Um, now let him come up to me and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. And you've always, you always have two people in the room, friends. Somebody that is a complete 
unbelieving person that should be a believing person, that sees everything from a human dimension. And any time there's something that requires a supernatural invasion from heaven in the room, then they rip their clothes, they freak out, they think it's a conspiracy, it's a setup, it's all about them. And then there's a person with faith that's standing there saying, hey, let's, let's give God a chance, a big chance, to do something great so that, that they would know that God is God. So Elisha is right next to the king of Israel and they have a, a grave, uh, there's a great disparity upon the approach. You know, right now in America, there's pretty much a lot of unity when we think about the problem of this country. What the divide is, is the agreement on the solution. We pretty much know certain things should not be happening in our country. Where we're divided is on the solution. And here you had a division when it came to the solution that was presented. And you talk about two worldviews. The king thinks it's a political conspiracy. And here you have Elisha saying, no, this is a God moment. Let's step, let's step into this. So the Bible is clear. So um, Naaman came with his horses and his chariots. Again, it's about power. It's about money. It's about politics. It's about authority. It's about influencer to influencer. We've already had one little girl. We don't even know her name. She got the whole thing going. This captive in this country still has a heart that's not corrupted, that when somebody's hurting, let's get them help. It's got to stay simple like that. We can't become sophisticated and all political and all crazy. People are hurting. Let's help them. Let's still believe. And so she wasn't saying, hey, because my life, you know, I'm a captive. You know, there goes all the compassion out of my heart. It's not the way it works for, the, for kingdom people. So the Bible says now we're, for, we're down the road in the story. Elisha goes to Naaman. Naaman calls him. He shows up with his power, his offering, his horses, his chariots. I'm an important person coming to talk to an important person. Because that's how the world spins, right? The Bible gives us an entirely different unfolding. So Naaman came with his horses and his chariots and stood at the doorway of the house of Elisha. Elisha sent a messenger to him. Again, nameless. This is nameless person number two in the story. Sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh will be restored to you, and you will be clean. I think I told you uh, my first year here, my little fella Kramer, he was a big sports kid. He's a kindergartner, and he's in our church. I was pastoring, and we're going to do a big river baptism. And I was telling the church, sign up for baptism. We're going to do it in the Sacramento River. It'll be like the Jordan River. Jesus was baptized in the Jordan, and we're going to do the Sacramento River Jordan uh, is gonna, we're going to do this baptism like that. He's not really listening. He's like in first grade. So I get a phone call from the school that week from the principal saying, Pastor Hagen, can I talk with you for a minute? I said, yes, sir. He goes, your son has caused a huge stir at the school, the Christian school. Why? He says, because he's telling everyone that you're going to be baptizing Michael Jordan. 
next Sunday. What? He goes, yeah, he's telling everybody that Jordan's getting baptized at, by his dad. <laughs> so <laughs> we still joke about it today. So. Dip seven times in the Jordan. And so the Bible says, but Naaman was furious. He's been given the plan. Why was he furious? And he went out, he went away and said, it says he left in a rage, some translation. He said, behold, I thought, circle that in your Bibles, I thought, the two most devastating words in the Bible, I thought. I had an expectation. I thought it would be this way, he said. I thought surely you would come out to me, stand and call on the name of the Lord, and wave your hand over the place and cure the leprosy. He had created this fanciful idea that this is how God works. Powerful, famous people meet with powerful, famous people, and you wave your hand over me, and I'm cured of leprosy, and you send out your messenger and tell me to go dip in the river seven times? See, this is the foolishness of God confronting the wisdom of man. This is like when you read the Bible, <coughs> and we are under the instruction of the Lord, and it, it contradicts our imaginations about ourselves and the world around us. And when that imagination is confronted with the simple instruction of God's word in your life, some people either melt and humble themselves before it, or they leave in a rage, they're furious, and I'm not gonna do that, dip seven times in a river, and plus some nameless little youth pastor comes out to talk. I wanna talk to the senior pastor, I wanna talk to the college president, I wanna talk to the person who has the power around here. Because I thought, I thought it'd be this way. I thought going to college, I thought it would be this. I thought it would be that. Those I thoughts, just, I see it just kills faith and it kills the trajectory of so many young leaders. I thought, I thought. Are not Abna and Parpar, these rivers of Damascus, these golden rivers, the Greeks called them these great rivers, Better than the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? Why is the Bible asking me to do this? This is ridiculous to my sophisticated, powerful, I'm an influencer. And man, penetrating the mind of an influencer is very difficult. The wealth of intelligence, the wealth of knowledge, it's very difficult for an influencer who sees themselves the way Naaman does, to divest themselves of that foolishness. And what happens is not only do they have the leprosy, they have the rage now. See, Naaman had a spiritual condition. I'll get our musicians to come and join me if you will. Naaman had a spiritual condition inside that was more brutal than his flesh turning to ash than the outside leprosy. And God was after his heart, not his skin. God would take care of the skin, but he was after all of Naaman, he wanted his heart. And so he was offended that a nameless person without authority was giving him direction. If you really look at this world, they have rejected Christ on several fronts, primarily that he would die on a tree 
that this king would die as a curse and die between criminals. That wasn't the legacy death of a king, of an earthly political figure. And this is the majesty of Christ and the power of Christ to confound and confront the bound up foolishness and the wisdom of man, which cannot comprehend the humility of heaven to come and die this way. And so here we have another powerful Bible picture of the Lord giving someone a chance to be free of their leprosy, free of their rage. And most of the times we're not mad because of what somebody's done to us. We're mad in life because something has not met my expectation. I thought it would be this way. And so the scripture says, then, says he went away in a rage, verse 12, a rage. How do you influence somebody in a rage? Look at verse 13. Then his servant, this is nameless person number three. You had a little girl. Then you had the messenger of Elisha. Most likely this was Gehazi, but he's not given a name in the story. <clears throat> and now you have the servant of Naaman who's watching all this. And he says this, then his servant came near and spoke to him and said, my father, had the prophet told you to do something great, and the accurate word here is difficult. Had he asked you to do something difficult, you would, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? What he's saying to the influencer, this earthly influencer is, you have such a high opinion of yourself. You boast of your chariots and your power. Your desperate need on occasion humbles you. There's a little window, but then it always closes. And something kicks in. And what kicks in is that, that arrogance and self-sufficiency and that pride. It just kicks in and the window closes. But then a real influencer comes. A, a little kid, a little girl, a messenger, his servant. Nobody knows their names. And so they say, hey, Father, if he had told you something that you perceived to be intelligent and the, the way powerful people act and the way smart people think, you would have leaned into it because you would have felt intellectual. But he, he, you're just saying to yourself, it can't be that simple. And that's part of the thing that's plaguing Naaman is the simplicity of God's solutions. The simplicity. It has to be more complicated than that. It has to be. It can't be that. And the Bible says that in that moment, the real influencer that little voice joining with the other two little voices. It says, so he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. He was clean. So for you and I, numerous lessons as we go into worship. Understand that, that, 
real influence in this world is not coming in the shape, form, and size that you think it is. Even the name, I'm an influencer on Instagram, I'm an influencer on, on this or that. I, I've watched self-proclaimed influencers and it's, it's actually, as you know, it's monetized. It's alluring to be an influencer. And we look at the influencer and go, man, you must have a, an unbelievably cool life to be paid to be an influencer. It's all passing. It's monopoly money. If you've ever played Monopoly, it's all monopoly money, guys. It's all monopoly money. It's not real currency. I could name the top influencers of my era. You'd laugh. You'd never heard of them in your life. I, I don't want to go there, but I got six or seven in my head that old people like Jeff Grinnell and I, we would laugh at this. Okay. But it's passing. The influencer is the one, even without the name, that points and directs with an untainted heart those that are hurting on how to get help as fast as possible. Pointing them to the Lord as fast as possible. Those that carry the message and the instruction and the teaching go dip seven times. And then the other one that comes along and says, no, that they were actually right. Just do it, even though it's very simple. Don't let your brain get in the way. How you can influence with no notoriety and no known name and no followers. Friends, it's how the kingdom actually works. Let's just not forget it and not be lulled to sleep or lured or trapped into false influence. Chariots, horses, power, money, prestige. It's not how the kingdom works. Let's stand together. And first of all, if you're here today and you got a big problem and you got a difficulty, you would maybe deem it as leprosy. Whatever it is, as we go to worship right now, I'm asking you to get into the Jordan, dip seven times. Let the Lord restore you and make you whole. And you say, it can't be that simple. I've spent years acquiring this problem. This thing is years in the making in my life, but that's the power and the simplicity of God. He in the twinkling of an eye can heal a person with a problem that's been years in the making. Let him heal you today. Let him restore you. Let him wash over your life in the next few minutes and just get renewed in the Lord. You know, when you, I'm not a racer, a runner, I've only ran a couple races, but I know what it's like to hit the wall quick, like the first couple, <gasps> then you're sucking air, then you got to get your second wind. We're about two weeks into this. I guarantee people have lost some of their, <gasps> this is seizing up a little bit, and then your second wind hits you and you get your stride. I want to pray today that everybody in this chapel today, that the Lord touches them and you get your second wind, you get your stride back today and that you are a wild success this semester, spiritually, academically, relationally, everything is a wild success in your life. 
Let's just begin to ask Jesus for his help today. Lord, as we go into worship, I pray for great grace and strength, God. Lord, we just lift up our hands and our hearts right now, Jesus. And we just begin to ask, Holy Spirit, for you to move. Even in these unique times, God, and these unique, the unique organization of our chapel, God, you're bigger than all of this, Lord, and you are here to help us, Lord, and you can turn the Jordan River into healing waters, God. And you can turn this chapel, God, into that same healing water, Lord, today. In Jesus' name. Let's just take a few minutes. Let's go all in with the Lord today. He's good. God has a great plan for your life. We love you, love you, love you. God bless. Let's go for it.